Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm Michael Curzon and I'm joined as ever by SD Wicket. Sam, how are you? I'm good, Michael. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna gonna return to an old fan favourite and give you a weather report. It's a lovely morning. It's uh, spring is truly here. The sun is shining, <laughs> and it is bouncing off the White Houses and giving me uh, quite a blinding look. I, I'm in I'm in a different part of my flat to normal. Um, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. My, I'm not in my bedroom, which is which is the usual. Uh, so, so yeah, no, no bookshelf in the background and no chain smoking. Yeah, no chain smoking as well. Crikey! Yeah, no books in the background. So the the authority of intelligence has, has diminished somewhat. Yes, it's it's now it's now just a blank wall um, symbolizing my 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 true self. Fair enough. And also the time of day, perhaps blank minds, since we're recording this earlier than usual. But it's, it's quite. Early. We'll do our we'll do our best. Um, the story this week um, is something that really, at the beginning, I think for Bournebrook was sort of a, a a very regular topic. We talked about it quite often because it's something we're very interested in. But over the past couple of years, has been pushed to the background. It hasn't been in the narrative. I mean, partly because of what our whole point was, which is that the government doesn't care about it anyway. Um, but it's come back again. This is immigration and the government's plan to offshore a certain number of um, asylum claims by people who, who crossed the channel illegally uh, in Rwanda, um, which has led to quite a bit of backlash. Initial polling suggests not that many people, uh, voters that is, agree with it either. Um, although I, I have to say, I think that's mainly because of the, the context of Partygate where people don't like the government generally. And also possibly the fact that, as we were saying before we started recording, this is uh, perhaps too small, uh, too little rather, too late. Um, but that's not to say the plan has no merit. We'll come into that. But first of all, Sam, what was your, what was your initial response then when you, when you saw the news? Is the government finally clamping down on this topic? Initially, it was, it was, it was why, why Rwanda? Um... I mean, as I was saying to you beforehand, you know, um, I'm absolutely like I'm I'm happy with the the, the concept of you know offshoring um, asylum claims and um, you know, people people who are sort of picked up in the channel, um, because you know as we were saying, what tends to happen quite a lot is if a application is unsuccessful or it appears that it will be the claimant will just vanish into the night and become you know one of the one of the many other unaccountable undocumented migrants in the uk um who no one knows their name um and you know all sorts of nasty things can happen there um so the idea of offshoring i think is necessary um what I do worry about logistically is is the cost of getting you know X thousand people per year on a pl- on a flight to you know to uh, East Africa. Yeah. Now I saw Chris Byron who or Byron I don't know I can't I don't know how you pronounce his name but a Labour MP uh, for a constituency in Wales sort of the the sort of voice you can imagine speaking up on a topic like this uh, anti that is um, he said. Uh, this is ludicrous. It would cost less uh, to to put these people in the Ritz because of how expensive it is to move them to Rwanda. But I have to say, I think he really missed the point of what this is supposed to do. From what I can tell, and I actually think this is a good good piece of policy, I think it's far too late. I think the fact that we've waited until crossing numbers almost breached 30,000 
and they almost definitely will this year, um, is, is a disgrace that we let it go this far before we actually did something. But take away that context. The policy itself isn't too bad. Um, and the point about cost, I don't think is actually too awful either, because and when you think about it, plenty of policies that we as conservatives or traditionalists, whatever we call ourselves these days, um, think about, support, actually have very large upfront costs. But the idea is that by doing these things, we reduce long-term costs. So people always say how the death penalty costs a lot more than just putting someone in prison. I mean, it's, it's dubious in the first case, but even if we take that as read, the point about the death penalty is that you deter people from committing uh, certain heinous crimes, and as a result, you have to impose the death penalty less. Now, uh, perhaps I shouldn't have conflated this with a death penalty, but the point is that by the idea, at least, is that by sending people to be processed in Rwanda, you're going to deter people from coming in the first place. So, so yeah, hopefully what, what, it should see numbers reduce. It will see the amount of people who risk the, the journey between France and Britain by yeah. the channel, which is a, 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 has been called now a watery graveyard, I think, by Johnson, which is true, um, which should hopefully reduce. So the, the, the question of cost is actually, I think, immaterial. The yeah. cost will reduce as the policy starts to work, hopefully, and fewer people come over in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, um, and I think the, the 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 other part of the policy that I I was sort of quite surprised to see uh, pleasantly was uh, border force being essentially relieved of its command of the channel, um, yeah. which has you know if you've seen any footage of these boats arriving, um, border force really do nothing to actually deter future endeavors. They they just sort of they pick you up in a better boat than one than the one you're currently in and just sort of drag yeah. you into shore. Um you, know, you, you almost never actually see the dinghies nowadays. You you see right. camps where all the dinghies are stored, but you you very rarely see the very the, the last stretch being covered by dinghies because they're, as you they're, they're on pick boats. Yeah. Which which I'm not sure if it's happened in the channel. It maybe it has happened in the channel. But it certainly happened during the, the migrant crisis in the Mediterranean, where um, the, the the people traffickers, as they're, as they're called, and quite rightly, I suppose, um, started to realise, well, hang on, we're producing these dinghies to go all the way across this stretch of water, and it's quite expensive, uh, and we could be getting in a bit more cash uh, if we sent them if we sent them in boats that could make less of the journey. And they started to notice that, well, no problem, because the the border controllers um, on the other side where the migrants are trying to get to are picking them up halfway anyway. So rather than have dinghies that are able to go the full way, we'll have dinghies that are able to go half the way. And as as uh, as the, the border controllers were going further and further, the dinghies were capable of going, uh, covering less and less ground. So of course that meant that when the, the border forces weren't there, that people were dying in the middle of hideous stretches of water. Um, so yeah, this this is something that really does need to be clamped down on. Um, it's something I, that I don't think Boris Johnson cares about. He certainly doesn't care about immigration generally. He's written uh, for many years about why Britain should stop complaining about the dam burst, in his words. Mm. Um, sort of a, it's happening, get on with it, just, just carry on with life. Um, but the problem's got ever worse under Tory control and specifically more recently under his control uh with with channel crossings rising uh awfully i mean just a terrible 
levels. Um, so something hmm. that yeah. needs to be done. That that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's like um, say, same with the the government's recent announcement of a change in energy energy policy. Um, yeah. It's like you know, um, it's our, our our policy on energy and on immigration for the last you know twenty thirty years has been suicidal. Um, so when the government finally say, "Oh yeah, we're tackling immigration, or we're building this energy plant," are you really? Are you actually though, or are you just buying enough time? Because um, say likewise with the energy thing, you know, it'll take you know the best part of a decade to to sort of get it up and operational. Yeah. Same thing. With, same thing with, with, with a complete rehaul of immigration. It yeah. would. It will take a time, and it will take us probably past the next general election. Mm. Um, which you know, I mean, it's um, we were saying before the recording, it's um, it's it seems like it's it's the latest front in uh, Operation Red Meat. I think it was that, which is uh, what seems to be the the, the, the Tory party's um, sort of <coughs> signature magic trick, which is you know, um, when an election is on the horizon, suddenly they're right wing, you know, <coughs> suddenly yeah. suddenly they're they're really right on with with what people actually want. Which if you look at any actual polling. Um, mass immigration is a very unpopular policy. Um, yeah. You know, outside of the laptop class, who obviously are, are in favour because you know they still get to live in their homogenised neighbourhoods. Yeah. Um, they're you know they're low crime homogenised neighbourhoods. Um, so I mean, I think it's impressive that it keeps that high point as well because we never talk about it actually anymore. It's very rarely covered in the media. I mean, there's certain. I think with with COVID which we were all forced to spend two years uh, thinking of, of nothing else about. Every day we had the figures spouted to us. Yet with the cross, the channel crossing, which is a topic that uh, the, the media class knows that Britons care about very deeply, um, you, we never had these figures put out, very rarely, other than on the days that were you know, absolute records, in which case it still wasn't prioritised. It was sort of just their few paragraphs. Um, but this is a this is a big story. It's it's it matters, um, and you know I, I don't view this as a, a government which is changing its its tack. Um, simply as you say, red meat uh, operation, um, trying to claw back some control. We got got to remember the, the context of the local council elections mm. approaching. Um, in, in which in which the yeah. Tories are predicted to lose about 800 seats. 800 seats, yeah. Oh, I'd be rubbing my hands, I'd be great. Um, and there's more fines coming as well, mm. so we hear. So, yeah, they're, they're in sort of uh, overtime to try and claw back what they can. I'm not sure this will be enough. Maybe it will. The, the policy hasn't been received very well in the public so far. Most polling reveals that most Britons are pretty unhappy with immigration, but the polling on this... Has suggested people aren't very happy with the plan um which as i say may be more a result of people not liking the government generally at the minute which i'm sure would sway the votes maybe a result of people also thinking too little too late that might be a part of it um perhaps they've be they've heard the arguments about cost uh, and presume that it it's actually a worse plan than than letting them be processed here but over time these things should change if the party sort of sticks with it. If it sticks with the policy, it could could be quite good for it, which I don't like to say, but it could. Um, if they can stand at a, a, before the ballot next time and say, well, look, numbers have dropped by this much. 
uh, because of what we've done, and it would be because of the policy, because the numbers are only going up otherwise, hmm. um, then that's a pretty pretty good good election winner. Hmm. And to to go to go back onto the, the topic of immigration, um, it it's clear that something does need to be done. Um, because you know the 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 UK is not a, a a bustling state of infinite resources, you know. Um, uh, the 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 housing market is 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 complete is almost completely collapsing. Um, yeah. The health service is collapsing under the weight of you know chronic mismanagement, maxed with you know over demand and undersupply of of, of practitioners. Yeah. Um, and you know, to to sort of to take either kind of person who would make that voyage, i.e., a refugee or or an economic migrant, um, a refugee would would have passed through a plethora of safe countries before arriving at the shores of Calais, and an economic migrant. Well, the 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 brutal reality of it is that you are not entitled to live in a country of your, of your choice. Um, no, not if that country. Uh, is is not at that point willing to take you, and also not if you come illegally. Yeah, and and not if it has long term existential damage on the on the host nation. Mm. Um, you know, it's 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 getting to the point where anything other than a, than a, than a moratorium is looking like the the, the the right policy now. Yeah, um, I think I think Britons are happy to home. Uh, a, a, probably quite a reasonable number of, of migrants every year. Within reason of the understanding that um, the country will be respected. Yeah, but, but I think I think people get more angry about immigration generally, whether it be legal or illegal, because of illegal crossings and because the numbers are so high. It sort of does an injustice to people who have who have gone through the processes. Um, perhaps even people um, who are genuine refugees who we've sort of ac accepted to take as a result of something terrible going on in the in the nation in which they live it, it makes people less positive about all forms of immigration um which isn't good because that, that you know i think most people's problems i think people talk about the nhs and resources as an excuse i think the main problem is the cultural problem um mm. and it sort of exacerbates that when when people essentially take the piss and when the government i mean we have to say in this with the crossings we can hardly blame the migrants who have seen a weak system uh, an unpoliced system and thought well i'm going to make use of that i'm going to make my life better well fair enough mm. the ones to blame in this always uh, is is the government which has for so long allowed this to happen directed yeah, and it has not pushed any form of assimilation. Um, you know, mass mass immigration has only been a reality in this country for about twenty five years now. It, yeah, not a long time at all. It was under Blair, in which in which the the, the numbers were really really pumped up to a level that is it, it is catastrophic if it carries on indefinitely. Um, yeah. You know, that's then that's how you get places like Barking changing almost overnight um cold um yeah and you know it, it's it's not a sustainable practice um yeah. and you know I'm, I'm no hypocrite my 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 dad moved to this country in in 1987 you know he 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 worked hard so i opened a business you know um 
became part of the culture and you know and and he he did it the right way but also he did it at a time where the numbers were manageable mm. and assimilation was prioritized um and it can be done i mean uh, i believe it's uh it's denmark who are really pushing assimilation um now among the Muslim population and it is working to quite good effect yeah um, assimilation is one of those where is it something the government has that much power and controlling or is it is it mainly to do with the people themselves but the point being the only element that the government can control is the numbers that come in mm. i think if you have an area that all of a sudden uh has a, a, a massive number of, of people from different cultures coming in and especially when you have it where uh whole streets become uh become inhabited by that people from a different area from a, a different world almost culturally um it makes it impossible for any assimilation to take place because people just live in different areas but where numbers are smaller which the government can control locals will naturally assimilate themselves they don't need the government to tell them to do this mm. they'll just do it as long as as long as the numbers are all right as long as they're not overwhelmed if they become overwhelmed then crikey what do you expect of them? i think i think i think the problem is i think the reason why it can be a mistake in the in the government's hands because the, this government so, so uh, same as the last, you know, several governments have upheld the policy of multiculturalism, which, um, when you boil it down, is essentially to fill a country with people who have as little in common as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, if the government came out and said, "No, we our, our official policy is monoculturalism," then I, I, I think <clears throat> I think it would reflect in every every subsequent level below. Um, yes, sir true i mean the whole idea of multiculturalism is itself a nonsense because it the, the, the word multiculture doesn't suggest to people united um right. who have come together and who have come to ex- accept and respect each other's norms right, it's it people, describes people, people, people who live separately yeah. surely yeah. Mo- surely monoculturalism is what we want to drive towards uh something where that's not to say where everybody is the same uh, it's not to say where everyone has the exact same practices, and it's certainly not to say anything about skin colour. It's simply to say that that people, um, despite their differences, are able to come together on the things that matter most, on the things which most bond uh, people within borders. Um, but that's and- not the policy that's been driven for. The, the new Labour government which started this, the immigration minister, admitted that the whole point of this, sorry, a, a former speechwriter admitted when talking about the new Labour's approach, um, that the whole purpose of this was to rub the right's nose in diversity. That's a quote from, from I think his name is Andrew Never, um, who was very close to the, the Blair operation and knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, this was the whole purpose. It was, it was not to create uh, a happy monocultural company with people from various backgrounds, but coming together. Um, it was simply to, well, it was to change course. He admitted that. Yeah, and 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 that's it. I mean, and and any any monoculture would <clears throat> would have to be native, um, because because otherwise, you know, we're essentially signing up for our, our own national collapse. Yeah. Um, which you know, I, I don't believe any one in this country should be expected to, to do. I mean, you know, if if I if I moved to Saudi Arabia, I, I would walk around with a beer can in my hand. You know, um, you if you do move to another country, at the very least for a better life, so so to speak, it it you should 
respect and become one with that with that culture. Otherwise, find somewhere else. Mm. Really, if you aren't if you aren't prepared to respect the country that you've risked your life to get to, then you know, uh, it's a waste of journey to me. But yeah. um, but yeah, again, it's um, it it it. I can't tell if this is a genuine bit of policy or if it's the government just sort of flailing under the weight of its own um, unpopularity um, yeah. and just wanting to appeal, wanting to, you know, because I think they're aware that the Red Wall is a borrowed vote, you know, and they had five years to keep that vote, to prove their loyalty to that vote. And they haven't because, you know, since since 2017, 18, the, the channel crossings have had jumped up at an alarming rate yeah yeah and they and so far so far they, they've done nothing about it all we've seen um obvious questions is border force you know giving them a lift back into england yeah and and the uh the the lifeboat charity as well whatever it's, mm. I what it's called but um oh, yeah yeah i mean the, the government is clearly worried if if it were a genuine conservative government it would have enacted this policy a long time ago. It wouldn't wait until, what, one or two weeks before an election uh, that could define the, the, the sort of current leadership. It would be pretty big if they lost 800 seats. Um, that's not just an incumbent's effect. That's, that's an effect of mass disillusionment over the rising cost of living, uh, over party gate, and, and dare I say over immigration as well, actually, which has sort of been a rising topic in recent weeks. Um, if it really cared, it would have enacted these things long ago and, and people would have voted for it anyway because it would have been impressed by the move uh, and, and wouldn't have forgotten that. Um, but I'm sure it will sort of, it, it will win over voters to an extent, I imagine, but possibly not as much because it is too late down. Um, and there's too much else going on in the background. There's, there's too much background noise for people to be able to properly hear the policy of this and to properly appreciate it. And, um, and it's a it's a it's a horribly arrogant move by them because you know I think people like you and I don't care about whether or not the Tories win or lose the local elections. No. You know, we we care about the long term fate of our country, and yeah. and and if if the you know if the um, the killer blows already already been delivered, then you know what does it matter who who wins the local elections? Yeah, um, I think we've probably probably drying up on the topic of immigration, but I just remembered something else we could talk about today, um, which is Musk, Twitter, uh, oh, the future yeah. of social media. Um, whether Musk <clears throat> will be able to buy the platform, whether I suppose most importantly, that's a good thing for free speech. Um, I don't know very much about Elon Musk. Um, I've, I've been keeping an eye on sort of the recent dealings with Twitter. His taking a share, his now offering about 40 billion for the for the platform in total. Um, though he said in a TED talk yesterday I listened to that he does want as many shareholders as possible to, to carry on. Um, and I think you, he said that you could possibly have up to 2000. So I don't think it's that he's actually buying out the whole thing, but that he wants essentially to, um, yeah, he wants, he, he wants to be a, 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 an influential voice within, a very influential voice. Um, why? Well, he's run polls on social media about whether or not people believe it's trustworthy. Uh, about 2 million voted, 70% said it didn't uh, uphold free speech. He talked about the possible need of a new platform. He talked about the importance of Twitter as sort of a town hall, as he called it, 
um, and how free speech must be upheld in an area like that. And he put it quite simply, but effectively, I think, in, uh, in, this, in this TED talk last night, when he said uh, the, the, the good test of whether an institution uh, upholds free speech is whether someone that you don't like can say something that you don't like. Um, which is a fair point, simply mm. put. Um, is that currently true on Twitter? I'm not sure that it is. Um, especially over COVID, we saw the sort of ramping up of, of, um, of, well, I suppose you'd say dissident voices, perhaps maybe that's a bit too far, voices that were against the mainstream at, at any rate, being booted off. Uh, at first their content removed and then the accounts altogether. Um, what do you think, though? Yeah. What yeah. do you think, though? Is this am I am I being a bit too hopeful about Musk? Because uh, I think I don't know. Or well, is it, it, it not too bad? It can't be. It can't be worse than the current regime. Um, you know, he, he seems. I I think the question is is not whether or not he'd be good for Twitter. I think it's whether or not he's lying. Um, because you know the things that he's proposed, the things that he's sort of taken issue with, are good things to take issue with. You know. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the fact that that Twitter, private company, private entity, has you know become essentially one of one of the publics, one of the few public spheres, you know, alongside you know uh, Facebook's platforms and Google's platforms. Those those three are pretty much the public sphere these days. Is where you know politics is done. Um, yeah. You know, do they have a duty of care to allow people to? speak their minds um yeah which is yeah I, th I think it should you know i think um i i don't it doesn't sit well with me at all that a private corporation can send to you especially one from another country like yeah. we, we 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 were censored by an american corporation for criticizing british policy mm. um, yeah <laughs> like, like, so the thing, the things that he's pointing out are the right thing to point out, the right thing to take issue with. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, I think it would be a seven, seven direction. Obviously, I don't think Elon Musk is, you know, some, you know, um, I don't think he's one of us per se. But um, no, I think I'm skeptical of him because of the whole uh, robot in your house, uh, mm. chips in your brain, no, yeah, 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 all yeah, of yeah. this weird stuff, which I think, that, and even I've got to say, the obsession with space. Um, I think that's that possibly is the in in our age might be the most defining aspect of whether or not someone's conservative. I mean, I personally have not only have no interest in it. I think we should stop bloody thinking about it and perhaps think for a moment what's going on at home. I don't understand this continuous obsession with oh, let's let, how many years until we can get to Mars? I don't care. Um, let's let's focus down here, please. Um, but we've done it. We've we've been to the moon. We've done we've done it. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's good enough. Um, but I think the important thing is here because we can, we can often get down this trap when we talk about free speech, where we say, well, if he's not one of us, um, which was my thinking as well, then it can't be right, it can't be good. But Musk may not be, you know, conservative or whatever, but that doesn't matter when it comes to free speech. What matters is that you believe in free speech. And hearing him talk yesterday, if he's being genuine about this. The words he was saying were, were spot on. I mean, he even said something which you can you can barely imagine being uttered by most of our politicians. I really value truth, which I think is an important 
important aspects of all this. I mean, that, that's one of the things that we talk a lot about um, at Bournebrook when we talk about, you know, things like the, the trans debate, um, when we talk even about immigration. So we say, what matters most in this? Um, obviously, you've got value, um, but you've also got truth. Um, mm. Sort of in education as well, we always talk about the importance of truth in all this, which isn't really valued anymore you have the idea of my truth or their truth which yeah. uh, of course is debasing the whole idea of truth um so for him to say things like that um for him to talk about the importance of free speech and even to suggest that if this doesn't work if we can't get twitter which maybe he won't be able to because i think there's some there's quite a lot of opposition within the company um among some on the board for example if that doesn't happen, he's he's sort of hinted that he might set up his own platform. We've seen other similar platforms fail, but Elon Musk doing a platform? Yeah, I I, I I think I think that would fail too. Um, yeah, just yeah, I think the public has appetite for you know a set amount of social media networks. You know, I think it would only work if for for any reason Twitter just collapsed. Um, yeah, it would have to. Oh, I agree. It couldn't work alongside Twitter. It'd have to replace Twitter. Yeah, it would have to replace Twitter. And I think I, th I think there's too many people on Twitter who are on there for the memes and the football stuff and you know and, and the pop culture stuff where they're not they're not there debating you know free speech and you know whether or not grown men should go into little girls' bathrooms. Um, no, but that's. I don't think a platform would necessarily just have to talk about that. It, sure, it sure, would sure, be allowed to sure. talk. About Sure, but, but but they still wouldn't leave Twitter because, as far as they're concerned, if it ain't broke. Right, okay. Yeah, because they're not being stopped in that pursuit. Right, okay. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's an interesting point. I mean, I, I think it would, at the very least, be far more successful within minutes than Getter has been up to this point, oh, yeah, which yeah, seems yeah. to have flopped now uh, or, already. Or, or Parler. Um, what a, yeah, all of them. Yeah, you know, all, all of them have just... Had a, had a had a surge at first and then just gone you know, because like ultimately you you reach critical mass pretty quickly because once everyone has been banned on Twitter has made an account you aren't really growing anymore um, mm -hmm. and as far as I'm concerned like as, as long as Twitter still has has you know, breath in its lungs um, it, it it makes too much you know sort of grand tactical sense to stay on it because that's where most people are yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It's a difficult one. I, um, it would be interesting to see, I think, at the least. Um, and, and perhaps even if he just gets more of a shareholding, I'm not sure he will, actually, because he said if he can't get the company, then he's not interested. Um, but say if he, he if he keeps what he's got already, maybe he has a bit of a voice. Maybe he can shift certain things, make it so that... Um, well, I, th I think I think right now he has the largest vote in Twitter on, on the board, right? Yeah, he's the largest shareholder. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure if he's actually on the board, so to speak, but he is... You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the board because um, the current CEO had to do a sort of um, frowning behind a smirk tweet about how he was looking forward to having Elon Musk on the board. Um... <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's... That will be, it will be interesting. Um, I think it's something we should read closely into, see what's happening. And it also worth noting, this is barely being covered. I was looking over, I was writing on this for the Express last night and I was looking over the, his tweets to see exactly what it is. He was sort of voicing around this, look at the polling, uh, listening to the TED talk to see what his view was of, um, of what free speech is, of, of what Twitter should be doing about it. 
Next to none of this is being covered by much of the press. They don't seem to like him. Um, they don't seem to like that he's trying to do this. Mm. Um, I, I want just quickly, maybe one last thing is that all the all the other attempts at creating opponents to opposition sort of platforms to Twitter largely failed because they were banned by the App Store or Google Play. They were essentially banned by the rest of the tech uh, conglomerate. Um, would that be the case of Elon Musk? Do they have a bit more respect for him, perhaps? Um, or would they not dare do that because of how big he is? I mean, he could, um, I imagine, have a lot of sway in sort of business grounds. Well, I'm not sure again, maybe not. No, but... I, I suppose to a degree he has what I believe they call FU money. Um, but I, I think he is seen as being a bit of a maverick because he he's not he's not intent on you know using his wealth and influence to push, um, to actively push, you know, regimist agendas um yeah that's true so he I, I do believe there's maybe a sort of a sprinkle of transhumanism in there which i'm quite alarmed by and very skeptical of you know as you know um mm. but when it comes to the actual you know actual morality and, and sort of social policy i i think he's just sort of somewhere in the middle yeah yeah no i think that's about right yeah. um well i think we'll wrap it up there then that was the week in review mm. uh, thanks for listening Hope you listen to us again next week. Have a good weekend. Easter weekend as well. Enjoy. Happy Easter.